What was it like when you first started coding? For me, it was super addictive. Crystal Mon caught the coding bug and she couldn't shake it. That interest pivoted her life towards being a developer until she finally pivoted again and left it all behind. One thing, like, how do I ask this? <laughs> One thing I don't get. Okay, so, you know, for a while you were you were scrambling, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then so you got a job at Apple. Mm-hmm. Like, they pay a lot of money. Yeah, uh, like a, they hand out stock with lunch as far as i know yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> like like what but then you left so like like you know people talk about getting like a job at like fang companies yeah, yeah, and yeah, the, yeah. i'm pretty sure they're one of the a's like what yes <laughs> <laughs> everybody goes through this first this thing where everybody has that moment when everything's like shiny but um hello and welcome to co-recursive i'm adam gordon bell today is crystal's story It's a story of working jobs you don't like while taking night classes in Java and C++. A story of making friends at tech meetups. It's also really a story about career growth and about following your curiosity. You know, if something interests you, just chasing after it, even if it means putting everything at risk. We start in 2004. Crystal has moved from Trinidad. She's enrolled in film school in New York, and she learns to read HTML source code. And she does it, strangely enough, to help her overcome homesickness. So um, in, in Trinidad, our, we have this huge festival every year called Carnival. It's kind of mm-hmm. like Mardi Gras, but more awesome. <laughs> I was kind of involved around so the whole theater and lighting thing. Um, a lot of the gigs are around that time. And mm-hmm. it's just this massive festival. So that's part of our culture, like the whole Carnival yeah. thing. And so for Carnival season, imagine all these Caribbean people are stuck in this snowy, depressing um, place. And they know that back in their home country, there are people in bikinis, <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, having fun. So it, uh. around carnival time, you kind of get this, um, I think if you grew up in that culture, you something about you just knows it's carnival time and your <laughs> friends keep posting pictures and reminding you and it's really annoying. So um, I, I think one of the ways we dealt with that was by listening to it was that um i don't know if it's still around but it was it used to be called music media had both reggae and like dancehall reggae and um soca and um so this website would have every year when the artists brought out music they would upload it so you'd hear Mm -hmm. all the popular tunes for that year for the carnival season um from around october the musicians will release oh i just released a new track and it's People, they have this, these songs have hundreds of thousands of views. Because my brother is a programmer, by the way. I don't know uh-huh. if I mentioned that. Um, but <laughs> he taught me in college um, how to view source. And yeah. So you were on music media and you're listening <laughs> to your the latest dance hall drop. Stealing. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and then your, your brother's like, what did he say? Like hit view source and edit this? And... Yeah, he said, so he was showing me. He said, if he's hit view source he said you see he's like oh see there is some music um source right there and he pointed out and said dot mp3 or whatever and Mm -hmm. so i kind of learned that how to look (laughs) you know at the pages find the music and download them and i don't have them anymore but my old because that laptop i think crashed (laughs) but um i had so many (laughs) so much stolen (laughs) music and it was (laughs) terrible quality of course because it's kind of compressed 
but it was good enough for me in college to have access to that music. After college, Crystal and her laptop of bootleg music head to LA. She gets a job at a place doing lighting for film, but she ends up being relegated to a desk job. She gets a bit bored, starts taking night classes in a computer college. Then at a meetup, she really finds her new passion. So after the um, getting into programming and deciding that I loved it, I found Haskell, strangely. I was looking for meetups in the Los Angeles area, and I found the Santa Monica Haskell group and the Papers We Love group. I didn't study computer science. I want to learn about computer science papers and who the famous people in computer science are. So I started attending that. So a bunch of Haskell people showed up. Hmm. And, and one of them, his name is Gary Fixler. He turned to me and he said, uh, would you like to come to our Haskell meetup tomorrow? And I said, what's Haskell? And he, and he said, oh, it's the same time, same place. And I showed up and I left that meetup just kind of overwhelmed by how happy I was and how cool it was. I mean, I feel like you kind of, you, you didn't, you jumped over it there. Like at some point you were like, coding is awesome or this is fun. Like maybe you weren't like, uh, I'm going to do this for a living, but you were like, oh my God, this is, I hate this. Oh wait, I got it working. I love this. I was taking the classes and I was taking Java, but I think the moment that I, I joined that Haskell group mm-hmm. and I kind of saw this new, I was like, this is programming. Like, this is so <laughs> weird. Um, <laughs> something about it, and I think the community was so playful. Um, it's, it's, I don't know, there's something about functional programming that it's like you're playing with code or the rules of what code should be that I thought, mm-hmm. as, as somebody who didn't come from that background, I thought was really interesting. And then reading the whole subculture, like you read about Peter Norvig, when I was graduating, we just started to have programming, but it was um, like basic... I know, I know my brother did more Java type stuff and that was not compelling to me at all. Mm-hmm. I think I took one or two Java classes when I was doing the night school classes, but I just, it's just something about it. I just, I, I just didn't enjoy it. And I thought that if I had come through that path with that expectation of this is what computer science is, it would have never been, I would have never stuck with it. But I think that seeing programming in different ways and seeing that it could be this kind of fun thing that you could break apart and find different ways of executing. So because in my mind, I was kind of taught and my expectation through my brother was that programming is a certain language. And then seeing different things like Lisp and just seeing, oh, this is crazy. Like, this is programming. You can, you can do this. <laughs> it's very compelling. And so, okay. So you go to the Haskell meetup and then what happens? You go home, you install, like, <laughs> what, like what's the steps you install Haskell and you do one plus one and you yell. Or, I, I, don't know. I, I just, so I guess after the first Haskell meetup, I just had all these questions. Like I was, so I was going home on the bus. I was taking the Metro back home and there were just all these cool things because everybody in that group so one of the things um like if you go to a typical um programming group and i, I kind of have a, a huge problem with this if you go to a programming meetup and you are interested in say 
um, like Scala or whatever, then not to, I'm not picking on languages, but I'm just making a point. A lot of the the meetup can end up being this thing where all the people that are interested in Spark or like big data, you know, or you go to a, um, you go to a Java meetup and they're all interested in Gradle, or you go to, mm-hmm. you know, so it's it's very um, tightly defined. And the Haskell group that I went to was the first one where there was one person interested in graphics in Haskell, and there was another person interested in ontology in Haskell, and there was a, another person interested in um, GUIs in Haskell or um, making video games or, um, you know, all kinds of things. So everybody in that group was interested in functional programming as a means to do something that they loved more mm. so than, oh, this there's this language and you use it to do X and that's all it's um, possible. That's all we kind of think, like this is the abstraction through which we think of the language being useful. Yeah. The way I came to Haskell through that meetup was not like that at all. There was a guy making the editor to help you to, to do different languages. So you could start coding from any language, essentially. And um, they had Alexis who was working on Hackett. So you had all these different people who were interested in doing different things with the languages. I think maybe if languages were kind of um, presented that way, it's it's appealing because you don't necessarily want to learn a language um, just to, to learn the specific subset of what it can do. Mm-hmm. You just want to learn as a tool for building something. And yeah. what did you want to build? Like, what was your... Oh, I used to do a lot of the Code Wars stuff. Like the, I, so I, lo- I used to love Code Wars, the mm-hmm. website with the puzzles. And I think I used a lot of... When I was learning, I liked the idea that you could solve puzzles with code. So I think I was, I was really drawn towards that. Um, yeah. And I would just do like several of them every day. Um, At your work? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I shouldn't be saying. No, no. Yeah. But I, yeah, I, I, um, so I was always in this kind of state of conflict where people were telling me, Oh, you should just learn JavaScript. I said, you just get a job. And mm. But Haskell was just fascinating to me. Um, and then I started looking, I think not so much building things, but trying to understand why things in Haskell worked the way they did. I think that was an interesting problem. So, um, you know, like if we're going through the Code War stuff, um, trying to figure out why, if this is why, if this is how this works in like Java and C++ and Python, why doesn't it work this way in Haskell? Like, what what is wrong with this language that it doesn't work <laughs> like all the other um, languages? And so I went through this whole phase where I installed a bunch of different things, you know, like Julia, um, Smalltalk, Prolog, and I just uh-huh. kind of played around with them and tried to see like what why they were different from each other. So you're at, you're at your lighting place. Um... And you have like a do you have like a browser tab open to like Code Wars and then oh, it's yeah. like it's like find the the longest the biggest element in a list or something and you're like working away and then somebody comes by and you switch the tab over. Oh yeah, it was. I mean, it was pretty terrible because um, and some people may not like this because it's kind it is kind of unethical. But anyways, but um, 
there was a metal shop behind me as well. We were all in this building. And so I had to deal with customers right behind a metal shop. So, you know, I'd be speaking to someone and then you'd hear the grinders. And (laughs) it's pretty insane. So it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of one of those places where people were working, but not really. And so it, I mean, sometimes it did cause conflict, but my supervisor was nice enough to say, well, if she's considering that we're not busy all the time, um, if she's getting her work done, we don't really care. And then <laughs> my desk started filling up with like Lisp books. And um, and I actually met a camera guy who used to study programming. So this is the other direction. Um, and he saw a Lisp book on my desk and he said, Lisp? And I said, yeah, and I'm taking a class and we're doing C++. And he told me, he said, I do that for a living. So if you ever need any help with your C++ homework, I can help you. So um, I don't know. Like, that's guess, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's great. What were you like? What were your motivations? Like, were you thinking like, I'm going to like, were you thinking like, I'm going to, I don't know, get into this professionally or this is just fun or. So I left the world of film for a really strange reason. Um, Cause I, I did have a wave where I was doing, working on movie sets and lighting plays and all of this stuff. And I just kind of got bored and I wanted more. And I think that that led me down that path. So mentally, by the time I had um, gotten to that stage of being curious about code, um, I had long left that whole idea of, hey, I want to work in movies or whatever. When, um, but I honestly never planned any of that. Like I was, I was just, just doing it for the fun. Like I, I just thought it was really cool. And, <laughs> and I thought, um, I don't, I just, I don't know how it, how it just ended up the way it did. I just kind of enjoyed hanging out with these people and um, I'd gotten kind of bored doing the work that I was doing. In other words, her job was not exciting, so she found something fun to learn. This is, I think, the story of my career as well. It wasn't night school classes or Haskell meetups for me, just embracing side projects and ultimately that leading to my next career move. For Crystal, getting laid off forced her next career move And that move was to land a software testing job and apply to the 2018 Google Summer of Code program. Google Summer of Code is where Google sponsors students to work on an open source project along with mentors. Crystal applied with Gabe Gonzalez and Chris Smith as her mentors. She's going to mention GHC as well. That is the compiler for Haskell. So (laughs) the job where I like was doing all my homework and (laughs) I got laid off from that job um because they were not making any money and so i was applying for jobs but i also didn't have a job since i was still going to school i was considered a student and i knew that they had a computer lab so i would it it, that opened at 8 a.m so i would just Mm -hmm. go there for 8 a.m and then just work on high school as much as i could during the day and set up applications and i would just like go through books and like write write simple stuff i still i mean super beginner i'm not 
experience with Haskell or anything. And um, so a lot of schools have food pantries like for, for students who don't have food. And I, I was thinking of nice. signing up for one, but I, I, I was okay for food. Um, but <laughs> I would, so I would check out like free food on campus and just spend the day there and then um, started doing interviews at my school. And while I was going through the interview with process with a company, it, was, it took, took about two weeks with a company that I eventually got the manual testing job um, at just to pay, pay my bills. Um, I heard, I got an email from, uh, so I opened my email in the computer lab at school, which is completely not secure. Um, <laughs> and it said, congratulations, your proposal has been accepted. And nice. the first thing I thought was, yes, I have money for summer. <laughs> <laughs> and I was super excited because I saw, I saw Gabe's name on there and I saw Chris's name in there. And, and I thought, this is too good to be true. Um, so, yeah. like, one thing I'm interested in is kind of, like, when you did the Google Summer of Code, like, what was it like when you... Because um, it's it's somewhat of, like, a transition to, like, being, like, a professional developer. Yeah. Like, how was it? Was it hard? Um, oh, so, we had <laughs> sessions from... Let me see, like six to nine sometimes. And so he would spend like hours or like an entire hour on like five lines. I think that's like a Google thing. I don't know. It's just like, <laughs> I mean, it's insane to go from like, you know, community college level um, C++ that you could like copy out of a book or find on the yeah. internet kind of thing, copy and paste that's from Stack Overflow to... um that me- that level, the quality of mentorship between Gabe and Chris, is just it was just outstanding. Like I think that's been one of the better experiences I've ever had. Like, but that. didn't you ever like? Didn't you ever get upset? Like and be oh. like, this is this is bullshit. Like we're an hour in on my five lines of code. <laughs> yeah, sometimes so I usually do the sighing thing when I get upset. I go, <sighs> like yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, and I feel like initially. It's like twofold, right? Like they're kind of annoyed because they're like, why, why Crystal? And I'm kind of annoyed because I'm like, this is ridiculous. But um, it was really like, they're really fun. Like both of them are actually like really, um, really fun mentors in general. So yeah. I think that kind of um, made the experience really great. And on the back of my head, I also knew that um it was it's an incredible opportunity because both of them have extensive experience and they also write really clean code Mm -hmm. and so when you read their code you what they you can read and know exactly what it means and it's it's just well written very clean and um just proper formatting and that's because i guess both both company cultures that they um between their both places that they work have uh standards have really high um quality code yeah so um i kind of knew in the back of my head even though you know some of it was rough that (laughs) i was getting a really good experience oh i do remember this one time when i told them that i'd gotten a job um, and <laughs> Gabe was saying that, oh, you know, you could apply some of the things you learned, even though you're just doing manual testing, 
you know, like the clean coding practices. And he said, so what language are you guys using at work? And I said, PHP. (laughs) (laughs) And they were like, oh, sorry. (laughs) So it was was really kind of a fun, um, you know, experience for me. And we tried to, we all tried to make um, the best of the situation. But one of the things that I was struggling with is that I had limited funding. So um, I had a, I really thought I could do Google Summer of Code with a $20 laptop that I got off, <laughs> off of eBay. And um, it became clear. Like literally $20? Like yeah, it-, it was more like $29. But I found it on eBay. I, I used to troll eBay a, a lot. And, and I found this laptop once and I was like, oh, this is so cool. It's only $29. I have to have it. So I bought this laptop and I installed um, um, Ubuntu 14.04 on it with a USB. And I would use it. And I thought, oh, well, if I have to install, if I have to have Linux, I guess, and my old, I think my other machine was a Windows machine, like a Dell yeah. um, Windows machine. I thought, well, I'm going to use this Linux machine for my Google Summer of Code because this is all I can afford right now. And this is all I have. And when we he said okay love the first thing we could do uh, during our first meeting is um is try to make the you know the the build get the build up and running yeah. and so the first thing it did was it failed because it was 32 bit my machine was $29 <laughs> and apparently it wasn't it wasn't in the list of builds to install um ghds and all that stuff with um if it was a 32 bit so they had to update. We had to, that was the first pull request is, oh, okay. And like, that's, you know, we opened up issues and, and then fix it. And then, okay, great. Now it, um, it is building, but then it took like a day. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> I remember at one point in time, Chris, Chris saying, this is ridiculous. He's like, I will buy you. I will. He said, first, you're trying to get me one of his friends to get me a laptop get a laptop to me physically and then he said no it's okay i'll just buy i'll just buy you a laptop and i got a lot i don't know what it is like if it's like a google thing or whatever but like it appeared we spoke about it in the morning it appeared in the afternoon on my oh, doorstep wow. <laughs> like i don't know magic pony google <laughs> stuff i don't know um and so i started working on it but then um as i was working on that it that one also failed over time because i think we miss we underestimated how much how intensive ghcgs is Uh, so i think the screen eventually gave way on that one and then um nadia from the helium she has this thing called helium grants where she mm. she it's like 700 people applied and um i wrote it i remember i wrote wrote an application because they were talking about what are we going to do about this computer issue like this is taking days to build. And they were talking about, I didn't know yet that he was going to tell me he would buy me a laptop. So I applied for this Helium grant thing. It just kind of floated in my periphery. And, and I said, okay, I'm going to apply. And I wrote this application telling her that my solution for Google Summer of Code um, pair um, coding together with my mentor would be to stick a video camera from one computer <laughs> <laughs> to another with duct tape. <laughs> Is that um, true? You were using one 
computer's webcam to show the other screen? Well, I had a we had a lot of issues too with the um because it, we were trying to screen share and pair program. Uh and I think and run GHCJS. So this the $29 computer was failing. First of all, <laughs> um Hangouts was not as great as we thought it would be. And um she emailed me and she said you've gotten one of the 11 grants that we we, <laughs> we were giving this year, which is like, I think she gave like a thousand dollars with no strings attached. And when the helium grant came along, well, I had a discussion with Gabe because I said, should I tell her that I, I just gotten the computer they gave me. And I said, should I tell her that I have a, a computer and that she could give the grant to somebody else who wants, who deserves it. And he said, he said, you should, just do the right thing and just be honest with her. And it's up to her to decide what to do. And so yeah. I told her and she said, um, I think you're deserving of the grant. You can do whatever you want with the money. And then like a week later, my laptop broke. So <laughs> <laughs> well, you got your $29 worth. <laughs> <laughs> it's just strange how like back, there's a certain kind of mentality that um, people don't think of if you're learning to code and I've noticed like even in my school, most people here have Macs. So and a lot of professors think that, Oh, you know, like everybody uses a Mac and I can't help you if you don't have a a Mac or whatever. And, um, but I went through this whole process of not being able to have those things. And so I'm really sensitive to um, trying to find ways to make things work um, regardless of, and Gabe has been, Gabe has really, he, they thought it was cool that I had this $29 laptop. They're like, oh, this is so, they're like, oh, we love little, little machines like that. And um, so it, it's really nice that they didn't snob me for yeah. you know, saying like, oh, why didn't you? Because everybody, like in, in Silicon Valley, when you join a company, the first thing they do is give you like a brand new Mac or whatever to use. Yeah. And um, so that was, that's kind of trippy, you know, like coming from having a, like a flip phone, and a $20 laptop. After Google Summer of Code, Crystal's still doing QA at a software company, but she's looking around to see what else is out there. So I remember um, when I, so I was working at the manual testing job. So the, the, there was a group of, of group of us. It was so much fun like that. We had a lot of um, younger interns. A lot of us were yeah. to school and, and working their part-time like 29 hours a week. And it was, I had these friends that I would go out to Denny's for lunch with at that group. And Mm -hmm. um, late at night, we'd order pizza, but the building would close at seven. So we had this whole strategy where one person would go um, collect the pizza and the other person would keep the door open, the front door open. Mm -hmm. And then um, the other person would stay in the office and um, wait for the person to call so that they could call the elevator because elevator would only go down after a certain time <laughs> and we had this whole thing and like one time we thought we we're going to be stuck in the elevator with the pizza because um the person in the office was not answering hadn't um, called the elevator yet in the midst of this fun crystal gets contacted by a recruiter from apple about a software job and this is the guy who was my recruiter is probably the best recruiter i've ever had i i, I just he's so nice and super thoughtful and um I spoke with him and he kept, I, I was kind of weirded out by the fact that he kept pr- going through the process with me. Cause I thought, okay, they're going to tell me at some point in time I'm, I'm rejected. 
they CC'd me and told me that they were interested originally for full-time. Like they were interested in bringing me on full-time, but I was interested in an internship. So ah. I didn't hear from them for about a month. And then I got another email and they said, um, well, we think, would you be interested in in interviewing for this internship? And I said, okay. And the <laughs> recruiter kept acting like he was engaged, but I thought, you know, he's completely um, going to hire like some, I don't know, like Ivy League whatever yeah. person because I was I was in community college and working at a yeah. manual testing job <laughs> and I wonder, like I'm the furthest away from um and so um I did like a like two initial and the two rounds of the interviews and, and then they said they wanted to speak with me so he kept asking me like what date I want to start and and That's I was a good like, sign, Crystal. I know, but like, I didn't, you know, you never know. And if, because he's like, oh, he's like, would, would you like this opportunity? Like, if it were to happen, like, he, I knew he was kind of buying time. And so I was Googling while I was working a testing job. I was secretly also Googling, what does it mean when they tell you that um, they have like next steps or whatever? You know, cause, like, what does that mean uh, in code? You know, I know the whole trick about like, what if, um, if they email you, it's a rejection, if they phone, if they, call you it's usually um to accept you kind of thing ah. um so he said he wanted to speak with me and he said oh the the manager like chose you and i was like i was like are you serious like i kept saying are you serious <laughs> and then he and then after he ended the call and he was telling me all this stuff um and asked me what time well he they figured out when i found out later on that it was because <clears throat> he was trying to get the paperwork in order he's you know so he called me and he told me and he said, you know, you could tell your parents and I called them and my and in Trinidad and my dad said the same thing. He was like, Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> and so um this is the first time that having a green card that I was able to to actually send in a letter of resignation. And I told them, um, I remember from my exit interview, they said, um, are you leave why are you leaving? And I said, for another job. And and then um, the person interviewing me said, what's the company name? And I told them, and she's like, oh, you should have told, put it on the exit survey. I mean, everybody was just really happy for me. And so we had, like, we, be, we were really close knit. So Crystal started at Apple and she loved it. If she was most people, this would be the end of her story. But Crystal left Apple for grad school to do a PhD in programming languages and data privacy. She left the Bay Area for Vermont. This really surprised me. One thing, like, how do I ask this? <laughs> One thing I don't get. Okay, so, you know, for a while you were you were scrambling, I guess, mm -hmm. um, and then and then, so you got a job at Apple. Mm -hmm. Like, they pay a lot of money. Yeah, uh, like a, they hand out stock with lunch, as far as I know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, but then you left. Like, yeah, um, you left to go to grad school. Like. Like, you know, people talk about getting like a job at like Fang companies yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure they're one of the A's. Like what? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, so I was going through this thing with my manager and trying to figure out like what I could, because everybody goes through this, for this thing where, um, and there's a guy at, at the, um, the manual testing job that I did. Um, mm -hmm. He was a senior uh, um, employee there, and he used to work for Microsoft. And yeah. 
he said, when I was leaving, he said, wow, you, you sound just like how I was when I was going off to Microsoft. And I understand now what he means by that, which is that everybody has that moment when everything's like shiny, you know, when it's mm-hmm. new and you walk onto campus at like Google or whatever, like, like the first time I went to Google IO and yeah. I just thought it was like, this is insane. Or, um, uh, like the Google LA campus, like the, f- the first time I went to Google LA and, you know, you go there and you're like, oh, there's this climbing wall and, you know, all this stuff and there's like free food and we do this and, you know, all this stuff for you. So I think I definitely had, I ate a lot when I was at Apple. <laughs> like I just was like, I was, and I was so limited in terms of what I could do before. And I'm just going to like eat as much as possible <laughs> and have a blast. I have like a, a pet theory, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> so like, I think that you like, you know, you were into film, but then you got interested in coding um, and, you know, all the way to Apple. And then, um, but I think that maybe what you really like is like learning things. Yes, that's very true. <laughs> so it's like you can, you know, you are now you learned, you learned how to work as a, as a software developer to a certain extent, right? Yes. And you're like, what's the next thing to learn? That's true. That's a very good observation. I think that's, that's certainly, um, and I think that's, that ties into my experience at, uh, I used to hang out monthly with the JPL, um, NASA scientists. They had like a, the drink, the German JPL group where they would just um, speak German and drink and eat German sausages. Um, I don't know how you get involved. Like, you're like, oh yeah. I used to just hang out with the people from NASA and we would eat sausages. Like, no, I don't know what that means. Uh, there was a, so there's this bar in in Altadena. Um, it's called uh-huh. Altadena Ale House and a lot of NASA scientists hang out there and one of my mentors works at JPL. So he would bring uh-huh. me um, there and we would all hang out and it was really fun and um you just have german sausages even though i'm vegetarian <laughs> and, and drink um bear german bear and they speak in german but um i think that seeing how like their intuition about things because a lot of those people had advanced degrees um so I, I, I really, that really resonated with me. You know, what do you think it would be like if more people were like you um, and maybe being more bold at like following, like learning or following your interests? Hmm. Would things be different? I think that everybody would just be like ADD or something. I don't know. <laughs> like people, people get frustrated with me because I, um, I get bored. It reminds me of my brother where in, uh, he was in our primary school or his primary school was separated. We had like boards. So you have a board and a class next to you and you could see diagonally into the class ahead of you. And Mm -hmm. um, his teacher discovered when he was little that he was learning material in the class diagonally, which is a year (laughs) ahead because he was bored. So so I think that, um, so that happens a lot for me where, I could get sidetracked because I just don't think something's as interesting. One thing I did get out of the artists, especially those who switched from art to tech um, or from creative, you know, like that, the creatives to tech, is that they're um, they're more they're bolder, they're more courageous, 
courageous in terms of taking risks. And uh, I wish that more engineers could like I think that's what you know if like even from like Trinidad, like being able to to just find somebody's email and have the guts to to email them and say, Hey, I'm this kid. I want to like know more about how you got to where you are going to. Um, I think people can be a little bit bolder and not accept a lot of software engineers kind of accept things as the way they are. I think that I'm like a serial learner, I guess. So maybe I'm always (laughs) chasing shiny things. Uh, like, do you, do you have any advice for people out there um, who like yourself or maybe like myself, uh, you know, just really like to learn new things? Um, I think intuition, if you like to learn things, I think that's a, I think that's a gift. I think that's not something that everybody has. My dad calls it a curse <laughs> <laughs> because it means that sometimes you might see things or be fascinated with things that other people think they think it's a useless thing to learn. I mean, not everybody is obsessed or necessarily wants to be a programmer because they want, they love learning things. Um, And that's understandable. And I wish that, I think that the world would, I don't know. I don't think you should have too many of those people because (laughs) they might be anarchy (laughs) in the world. (laughs) But I think it's a wonderful thing. I think people like you and our Slack, that group, (laughs) <laughs> and, and all the other people that I've met along the way have made everything. People who love to learn kind of fi- find each, each other. They've made it possible for people like me to be a part of the community. I like people who are a little bit rebellious yeah. or people who are kind of oddballs. And <laughs> um, because they do kind of make you think, think about things differently or... Um, just kind of they they, basically they don't accept things as they are on surface level um so i think i don't know i think it's worth pursuing i don't see anything wrong with people who like to learn have you ever been asked about a five-year plan myself i don't view my career as executing on some sort of five-year plan i don't even have one i just get obsessed with something and kind of follow that interest i think there's something about being passionate that makes learning even hard things seem easy I think a lot of great careers are built on curiosity and obsession, including Crystal's. All right, that was the show. I met Crystal through the Slack channel for the podcast. She has a thousand interesting stories. I couldn't fit them all in. If you jump on her Slack channel, she's always there. She's the one with the Skeletor profile. We have a Friday thread about what did you accomplish this week? And the answers are super eclectic. Today, there was a discussion about the math of origami, as well as people just sharing fun side projects, which reminds me of one question I think I should end on. Can you read your message today for the, from the Slack thing? Oh, 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 sure. <laughs> so the, the question is, what did you accomplish or build um. or learn this week? <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Okay, what did you accomplish or build or learn this week? And I said I volunteered for ICLR, which I did do. I did two rounds for two different conferences of reviewing work for acceptance. And I'm finishing up the last round for one conference this weekend, which is correct. So I attended two recruiting events. One part two is happening today, which I just finished. 
I did an exam. I worked on research. I found out I was one of 20 people chosen for a mentorship as a mentee program with someone in my research field of interest. It's a three-month thing, and I write an article at the end that gets published and join this amazing community. I applied for two grants and caught my first Discord bot Pokemon. Lol. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like a busy week. All right, Crystal, thank you again uh, for your time. Let me hit stop here.